0: Welcome to the MLM.com podcast. I'm Nancy Tobler, your host. Today, we are very excited to have Maria Osapova, the Vice President of Marketing at Penny, join us. Maria and I will talk about the new customer focus that's happening in the direct sales industry and how digital technology is helping distributors and customers, or distributors and consultants do well. We'll talk a lot about the pennies digital transformation survey that they just completed. We'll talk a little bit about how they conducted their survey, who responded and how they share their data out with the rest of the world. That we'll provide a link to that on the mlm.com podcast page. And we'll also talk about what the data showed. Just fascinating. I love, uh, research and numbers is my favorite thing. We'll talk about the need for training for distributors to operate in the digital world, how presenters fail or succeed in engaging since that's the key to social media engagement. We'll talk about how vulnerability and realness in live stream actually can increase your success. Of course, we don't want to be too real, too laid back, but we want to be talked with, not at, and I think that's a key here we learn. We talk about China, we talk about how well Livestream has done in e-commerce, Livestream and e-commerce has done in China, and what lessons we can learn here in the United States from them. And throughout, we end up talking about how influencer culture dovetails so nicely with direct sales. So I'm excited. It's a great podcast. Welcome, Maria. This is Maria Osipova, and she is from Penny, a company out of Vancouver and they uh, will talk a little bit about uh, their product here first. Absolutely, and first of all, thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here. And
1: yeah, uh, so Penny, we say it's a data-driven social selling platform. But what it actually means for consultants and for distributors, it's a virtual assistant that tells them every day what to do to grow their business. For the corporate, it's an enterprise platform uh, that enables them to enable their field to do social selling and also gives data about what works, what doesn't work, and how to multiply their revenue.
0: Oh, that. I I was only familiar with the distributor side, but I'm a data person. I love numbers and I love to see what the story is behind numbers. So I didn't realize that uh, you had it set up so that corporate can see this is how many people are using this technique. This is how many people are using this technique. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful product.
1: Yeah, and we generalize this data, but overall, the corporate can see, well, does this piece of content work? Uh, which one gets more opens or gets more click? Which one gets responses? Um, usually, uh, the field is kind of a degree of separation, right? They work with their own networks. They work yeah. via social channels. So how does corporate know uh, who in this field actually does the work or does the outreach to drive the revenue and increase sales? So that type of information we're, let, uh, we're showing within the platform, who has fallen behind who needs some help who needs some coaching what needs to be done how many touches uh, lead to this level of sales or this level of increase in orders so all of that all of a sudden is an insight that we're providing to the corporate uh, to help them again enable the field better And focus on the distributors and consultants and customers, ultimately.
0: Yeah, right. And in the end, uh, which I really like about our industry now, is that the the increased focus on customers. It is about finding a person who needs your product and getting that product to them. That's really what we do. Uh, So, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And I think that if we are
1: talking about the shift that we're seeing and that's what we've seen throughout the survey as well, is uh, there is an increased focus on the customer experience. corporate was so focused on the consultants and the fields or even on their own kind of backend and on their own brand uh, for such a long time and as a result of COVID as a result of kind of change in buying behavior this shift towards it's all about customer experience from the moment they're interacting with the brand and developing the deep trust to the seamless process where they're not getting pissed off and upset you know the things are not going through the uh, e-commerce engines you know that it's not clunky to the relationship that happens after the product is purchased no one wants just you know an interaction that's what Amazon is for right Uh, when people come to direct sales they want to buy from the friend. they want to buy from someone they deeply trust or and again hopefully we'll talk about it a bit later as well from the social selling perspective it's the person that they deeply respect and admire uh, within the social context. so yeah. yeah, you're spot on. It's about yeah, the
0: customer. It is. Uh, well, and I think it's a really nice shift that's really happened in the last I don't know seven years or so. Uh, that that companies that used to be distributor focused and let's get as many distributors in and see who sticks, uh, now are clearly delineating. No, let's get customers in and then if they want to, we'll we'll roll them in to be distributors. But you you said something in there that um, I've got this whole COVID theory uh, that covid and customers are connected do you see that as connected um
1: i wouldn't say exactly call and customers but i think covid was such a major shift and it shifted the entire world into a different uh interaction type of behavior and right. buying type of behavior oh, okay. right we know And I think that's what I mean, is customers uh, were forced into the only level of buying became digital. You no longer can go into the store to get that experience. And then the expectation for digital is no longer just the convenience and speed. And I think that's where we were falling on before, right? Right Right now, when people interact in a digital way, um, I follow on Instagram, you know, so many influencers, so many people that I don't just follow because they sell something, I follow because I admire the way they live, the way they, interact with people and kind of craft their stories. And then as a result, I develop the trust. And I think that's the shift that kind of really was um, accelerated by COVID, if you will, where it's no longer than, you know, within the direct sales environment, I have this network of relatives. Sometimes I see them personally. I also do an occasional outreach via social media, and that's how I sell. It's, I now have access to audiences way beyond that. And depending on how I build my brand, I have a level of influence. And I think that's where the direct selling companies need to shift towards is enabling that type of knowledge, that type of kind of strategy for the sellers where we're not just leveraging the immediate friends I've made or a person I ran into the coffee shop or you know a friend I met at the school, that's the digital shift. The, yeah. the opportunities are endless from the global perspective and they're built on a true relationship as opposed to just, you know, the spamming outreach to who happened to be in my contact. Um, yeah. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of um, education that the sellers are requiring to get to that level. And sometimes they are a step ahead. Um, and that's what we're talking about, transformation and acceleration for the direct sales companies. And we talk about speed experimentation that they need to start enabling types of environments for their sellers
0: yeah absolutely absolutely let's talk just a little bit about your survey sort of um the methodology and and who you had respond to your survey uh you had industry experts you had corporate level distributor and vendors respond so we have a nice broad reach And then uh, I think you had about 260, 270 responses. No, uh, we reached out to over
1: 10,000 people overall. We received, you know, 256. 265 responses, I'm looking at the latest uh, survey, because they actually keep dripping in even after we published the report, which oh, is okay. fantastic. Um, and that ranged about 120 companies overall. Some had you know, nine, 10, 12 plus responses, some had one or two from the person, and we had a nice distribution between the people within the corporate uh, kind of director, executive level, and also consultants from high level consultants you know, and the new people to the industry as well. Um, We've leveraged that report twice. We've published the report where we looked at just kind of the numeric data. It's like right. people want CRM over project management. And then we realized that we've asked, well, open-ended questions. And the responses to those were fascinating. Yeah. So we had 600 um, opinions provided by, you know, across entire range of corporate vendor and consultants. And like, how do we share that with the world? Yeah. How do we organize it, right? That's in kind of open-ended question type of data. Yeah. And And um, the team had done a phenomenal job uh, placing it on the grid of, you know, is this uh, the question that comes up all the time? Is it a universal type of application? Or is it something pretty unique and niche, you know, maybe only applicable to this company? Uh, As well as grouping it by themes. Because we had uh, people talking about the need for wellness and focus on benefits, you know, if it's a real job that people have, well, it needs some type of level of security uh, for people to really kind of commit to that as the type of the career. Uh, On the other hand, there are questions about the need for digital transformation and what we were just talking about, um, shift towards this overall social enablement across every channel that people interact and right now we still live in this digital world right right uh the need for event transformation so all of those weren't just the one-off responses there were clusters uh that were we categorized and then added a little bit of research from the industry such as mckinsey that's looking at the digital transformation across all industries right and made it relevant and it was a little bit of um just analysis and uh pulling out the themes from the data
0: yeah that was, that was a nice uh link out to the mckenzie report uh i hadn't read that so that was a really nice uh additional background information that if people haven't read the mckenzie report uh we'll put some of these links into um into the art into the podcast somehow uh frankie does that yep. she she'll she'll do her magic but we'll put those in um yeah. So, so is there anything else you'd like to tell us about the digital transformation? I think you've really hit on it and how COVID affected that. But is there anything else that you really learned from your survey about digital transformation?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, we've been talking about digital transformation for the past, I don't know, 50 years I've been in marketing and tech. Uh, digital transformation was, you know, hovering from like a really hype theme to something that's almost overused. But I think it was the COVID that actually put like a line in the sand. You're either there and then you can leverage all the opportunities that COVID presented where you're not there, and then you're complaining that, you know, COVID affected our industry and it's falling apart. And I think that's one of those things where, COVID really impacted the industry into kind of luggers and someone that like shot out. The industry overall uh, had a huge momentum throughout the last two years, right? Companies that were able to adjust and they didn't get it perfect right away. Uh, They just took the time to experiment and enable some type of digital environment. And they've experimented with with the platforms and the apps, but they were acting quick as opposed to just, you know, keeping the status quo and hoping it will just, you know, blow away and go away. That didn't happen. Um, And if i think about it there are a couple of the themes that were kind of this double sided as challenge slash opportunity right one and I love that personally as well, we're all working from the home office right now. they called it totally normalized, the work from home environment. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, you kind of have this half gig. It's like, no, everyone's doing stellar job from home. And people tend to, some don't, but people tend to appreciate the flexibility that maybe I'll see a lot more of my child, you know, like I have a teenage son and I get to see him in the mornings and not just, you know, late at night when I come back home after the long commute from work. And people search the ability to be flexible while still making respectable income and I think that's where it gives in a way direct sales a little bit of another chance to say it's like no that is a solid income we do provide training and we do have products that people love. Um, And training is another part that I'd like to hit on. We've done a lot of research and throughout uh, even the survey, the need for training on the skill set, on making uh, the consultants and distributors not just being aware of products and what they do, but how do you now interact in that social environment how many of them come from sales or customer service environments? Probably not so many. right. And yet this is the core skill that the field uh, that the companies depend on, the field to deliver, and yet how much consistent across the board training is provided there? So that's something yeah. that we took away as a huge, huge nugget of knowledge,
0: yeah, so there's a couple of things I want to touch on there that uh, i hadn't I hadn't really thought about until you just said it was Canada increased by like 26% in sales uh, during yep. COVID. 26, that's just phenomenal. The U.S., yep. it's, uh, it's almost eight, I think. Uh, but we were just, Frankie and I actually, were just looking at some worldwide statistics. It's not true for every country. And I wonder if that's also tied into how advanced the country was in terms of technology, Uh, If the country was a laggard, it was really hard to be uh, at the forefront as a company in that country. Yep. Just a couple of them. And you look
1: at Asia and you look at the um, e-commerce type of events booming or e-commerce selling or video selling booming there. And that's also a precursor, you know, like that type of population is very, very... um, I think well developed in buying through apps and leveraging multiple social specific channels that is huge And that's a hint to us as well that this is a path that's working in some environments What parts of it can be brought in into the interaction, right? Like events change drastically and uh, How many zoom calls are you still going on uh, going into let's say with the company doing the presentation and everyone is Video muted sounds muted. There is curated questions and there is like a death by PowerPoint. That's now delivered Delivered via Zoom. Uh, And that's the environment of an event. And the whole point of the event is to uh, foster social interaction, is to see the reactions in time, is to bring that uh, conversation. And that's why people go to the physical events, right? It's unscripted, you get to talk to friends, you get to share your reactions, you see something on stage. How many of the Zoom events are still run that way? And yet there are technology elements that can be brought in where everyone is in the video, where the reactions are flowing, where the memes are exchanged, Uh, maybe there is a preset personalized package right there in the e-commerce checkout. All of those are opportunities, I think, for the event evolution uh, from where it used to be and from, you know, how many webinars are you dying to attend, unless it's a person, again, that's with the huge brand, with the huge trust developed, and then maybe they're not doing the dry delivery as well, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, China is just crazy uh, on live streaming uh it, it I, I, their numbers are just i don't even i don't even think i can guess at the number it's just phenomenal we're not anywhere close to the live streaming that's done in china so there's some places in the world where that particular way of selling right just clicking on a link in the live stream and buying from a pr- product company uh i think we can learn uh, yep. everybody can if learn you from and think- the technology might seem advanced but what's driving it
1: is kind of our need for interaction and for personal buying experience yeah that before the only way you could go in is go in and have a personal consultant talk to you or a friend explaining how this works yeah um when you are in a face-to-face uh video and someone is bringing up, you know, samples and sends you all links to the exact recommenda- uh, recommendations and product sets. Um, and then you can send the reaction. And there is a time code for 15 minutes while you're in a call that you can, you know, select and grab things. Right. You get that excitement. You get that one-on-one communication. And I think we just need to get there with, again, training, too, and enabling that uh, for more of the field. And that's where some of the competitive advantage will come from.
0: Yeah, I really liked that in your report, you talked about this concept called Zoom fatigue. And I, because I had not even thought about Zoom fatigue, uh, I had to go out and read about it. But it's interesting, right? That it's, because I I think you just hit on something really important. We want real interaction with real people. That's what we craved when COVID was gone. That human to human touch. But it's interesting that it's, it's not just that we need to have real interaction. Zoom makes us a, a heightened interaction, right? We never before had watched our own face, right? And someone else's face at the same time. Before, we only watched someone else's face and that allowed us to make connections Uh, quickly with other people and now we're watching our own face and we're missing stuff and it's more there's more tension created so i think training on how to do a nice zoom meeting or zoom uh, shopping experience even uh is something you you touched on and and we we just have to train distributors how to do that
1: yeah yeah and provide um again enable but it's no different than training someone to do powerpoint presentations the executives you know (laughs) were doing that for 10 20 years and there's still some incredibly boring uh not visually enticing you know not the presentations that inspire and engage you so the same with zoom uh the interaction face to face it's still the basic human need and basic human requirement Uh, it's how do we transition that into the selling environment and not just settle for something you know it's like Mute people and shut down the screen. Let me deliver you know the polished presentation of that I want. Uh, let the interaction be have a level of transparency and vulnerability, and allow those uh, reactions into the call. Uh, whether it's from the corporate or whether it's you know presentation to the customers, allow questions about the product and reactions and funny photos. Um, and I think that's when we look to Asia, they do that really well. None of them are you know polished. If you've ever seen the video call there, like they love and people send in the reactions and uh, something doesn't work right there in the moment of using the product and that's what makes um, and I think when we look at some of the social influencers yes there are people that are perfectly polished deliver something that you admire but the ones that have huge followings are the ways uh, the ones that allow themselves to be real people and that's what people are trying or ready to relate to so so much and I think that's another Learning, if anything, uh, for the direct sales environment, and that's something we've learned actually um, at Teni. That was really interesting when we started. We're like, oh, there are such an impressive sellers out there. There are people with careers in law that go into direct sales, and then they just crush it. Or someone that comes from an NBA, you know, playoffs, and then they go into direct sales and crush it. It's like there are stories everywhere that are just incredibly inspiring and we were telling those stories and then we got some feedback even internally it's like oh you make everything sound you know like it's just this perfect little walk in the park you go in and you make millions and you know you're like you know perfectly attuned to direct sales and we're like no but we're seeing other stories so we actually kicked off the project that's real life of direct sellers and we let people just record you know two minutes of their kids running around and this is how i run my business and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't those are some of my most favorite ones you know there are people retiring and someone handles admin and someone handles sales and that's how it is every day and they're fighting over one computer yeah it's hilarious it's amazing but i think that's the part it's realizing that there is both parts to it it's not all hard yes there are some amazing stories but at the same time like that is real life. And I think that's where the selling will eventually shift towards from, you know, just mechanical. Have I done the outreach? Have I thanked everyone? To that's my life. That's my story. And through that, I also uh, position and help people with some of the products that I firmly believe in. And that's yeah. where the transformation will go through, where it's that balance between I tell my story, I don't forget about people. They're not my relatives friends anymore how do i cultivate it how do i still make my money and monetize it into the business i'm not just the storyteller and i think that's where the companies need to realize and move towards uh, it's building the brand it's enabling that ability to convert it's uh, enabling ability to keep relationship with hundreds of people now without losing mind without still running right. with three kids and other jobs right so that that is the challenge that i think is going to be very exciting over the next years.
0: Yeah. I re- in fact, I really like your product uh, for that very reason for distributors is that you have designed it to fit into the lives that they actually lead, right? Not the fantasy yep. life that some people like to present that this is me not doing anything with my pina colada next to the pool. Uh, the reality is I'm always thinking about my business, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right? Yep. And it has to, come in in little spurts in between the fact that I've got to get that kid's uh, science project put together (laughs) Uh, I I have to build the solar uh, system in 15 minutes because they didn't tell me till 15 minutes before the bus came (laughs) that they wanted the solar system today I mean you know that's reality and I really loved how you hit on that right that it's real interaction and transparency that connects us right it isn't a polished and in fact the research backs us up right in teaching uh if the if the student believes that you care about them and that you're human right you're not a robot up there doing yep. something that's absolutely polished word for word they actually prefer if you have some disfluencies and some moments where you roll your eyes and say what word did I just say there was that was that the right word I don't think that's the right word and that that realness uh can't be faked you just have to be real I think and that's... if you
1: think the opportunity it creates for direct sales, I can not think of any other industry or any other e-commerce environment that's better positioned to deliver that real life, to deliver that transparency into the relationship with the customer. Yeah. Right. And then it becomes not just as like, oh, uh, the product was amazing. It becomes deeper than the product. That's where the relationship is kicking in. Even if you've never had that interaction, there's so many people online, and it's uh, scary how many people can probably relate to that, but I feel like as if they are my friend because I've read about their life and about their stories for years now, and yet we've never had a single interaction. Maybe I've commented yeah. on something. Yeah,
0: it's called par- the- <laughs> parasocial relationship, right? It's kind of a fake relationship, and, we, and we, had it, we used to have it with TV stars too, but we have it now with influencers, right, where we relate to them and feel like we know them
1: yeah it's fake in some ways because maybe fake from the two-sided thing but for people it is real they right, do care exactly. about you know what happens in their life and it's their actions influence the action or buying behavior of people that watch them and you know follow their life for days similar to what we had with ads and having movie stars in the ads now there is a lot wider uh reach and a lot more influencers that just, you know, make that their career. Right. I think that's fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating yeah. me with uh, yeah, where me the too. industry is going. And again, this might give a momentum to direct sales that it's never really had because of the scale, because it's no longer just, I rely on, you know, this person that's super connector in their real life. It's the the reach of the people that you can attract as your new consultant and their even digital fluency is unbelievable right now. And, uh, yeah, if brands get it. Um, And also, that's an interesting question, too. When the person becomes at some point bigger than the reach of the brand, when you look at, you know, hundreds of thousands of this influencer um, and how many people truly follow them versus a brand that's just starting out that might not have as many followers, is it an opportunity? What does the brand have to do to really get that person? You know, is it the the type of the product that's really breakthrough, is it what they stand for? Uh, very often it's no longer just about the product, it's about the yeah. meaning behind it, it's about the belief into supporting athletes, into supporting you know equal rights, into something right. that gets deeper to the um, that person's beliefs, and then they connect, and then they support it, and it's more than any type of monetary, um, you know, results that they can drive if it's something that they deeply care about and I think that's something that's another opportunity for the brands they have the reach they have people that care about issues taking the stand and supporting that and giving meaning just like corporate work as well beyond uh, the paycheck to paycheck and promoting products
0: yeah yeah Well, you have provided us with some wonderful information. Uh, The survey was wonderful, but your depth of understanding and insight here has also been amazing. Uh, I think we hit on most things. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about that I didn't hit on? We talked about the digital transformation. We talked about Zoom and how to do that maybe with more realness. And we talked about the customer experiences. Those are the things I had down. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I would say we covered
1: most of the highlights that I remember from the survey. Um, One part that I think is interesting and I think something that Benny does and, you know, without promotion as much, but also that is a big part of the industry overall, is kind of focus on empathy. When we talk Mm. about customers, it's not just on technically seamless experience or driving this personalized, automated interaction. I think it's as a result of COVID in some ways, there is so much more of that empathy and understanding that on one side became, kind of developed, but also became so much more needed. And right. I think when it's slacking from the interaction, be it from the video call, be it from uh, the way that the consultants are or feel treated, it's having that focus on like, what's working for them what is needed um and when we're developing let's say uh we're building the training just because we're seeing that gap is like well who trains them on sales who trains them on marketing on personal brand um, right. and if they train them is it an hour long training or is it a like three-day course which mom with the three kids can go in for the three-day course right well <laughs> you know and he's built around they've got the solar minutes.
0: system to build
1: exactly exactly right and then like things that they don't know and they have to rush out to so I think from that perspective is understanding the uniqueness of the industry and then I think in many ways it is underserved with proper education with proper training with proper wellness and benefits and I think this building this into something that's highly Satisfying and something that people are proud of being of is a huge opportunity for the industry as a whole. And I love that you get to be part of it, but I also love seeing that there is that shift and that there is that change yeah. um, in what we're seeing for all across the industry. And again, the survey reflected it in so many different themes. So, yeah, yeah if there is one thing, is empathy.
0: Yeah, I think, well, I think that's it, right? I, I, uh... Being able to see from the other person's point of view takes real interaction. You have to listen to them, and uh, you have to you have to be open to learn what they need. And then, yep. if it comes up, then it comes up naturally. You say, "Well, this is what I did. You might want to try it." I don't. I'm not. Yep. I'm not guaranteeing anything, right? But it comes up in a real way, and I think that's a very powerful message. That Direct sellers have always succeeded because they could use empathy. And now we can use digital medias to create empathy as well. It doesn't have to be a one-sided event. I mean, it can be yeah. some live streamers that have 250,000 people. Uh, there's not a lot of in- personal interaction, but they do take advantage of the interaction that they get from their audience. They're learning all the time. Oh, here's yep. the products that are being bought. Here's the questions that are being asked. And that does tell them how to see from the other side. So yeah, great. you just, you just have great information and I, I uh, wish you luck and oh, I'll, I'll be watching you and, uh, Uh, I think that's it. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so, so much. It's been a pleasure and fantastic questions. And then the insights that you're drawing even after my comments been fantastic as well. Thank you.
0: We wanna thank Maria for joining us today. We had a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I also wanna thank Jana Bangader. We call her Frankie, our producer. She does a great job of keeping me in line and uh, gets me to uh, do my job correctly. So I wouldn't be anywhere without her. So we want to thank Frankie. We want to thank Josh Birch. He also helps with the technology and making sure I've got all the pieces put together to run the podcast. We are the MLM.com podcast, bringing you insight and information to the direct selling industry. Join us next week when we talk with Spencer Reese, a lawyer in the MLM industry, and what's happening in the world of Supreme Court and the FTC and all of that exciting stuff that's going on. So join us next week as well. Thank you.